Why is this night different from all other nights? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Egypt is portrayed as a land of salvation at the end of the book of Genesis. Father Abraham's grandson, Jacob, and his family were living in the land of Hebron, located in what would become southern Judah, just west of the Sea of Arabah, which you might know better as the Dead Sea. While Jacob had already lost his favored son, Joseph, earlier in the narrative, he is now faced with the loss of food and sustenance. A severe famine had hit the land, which threatened not only his life, but the life of his children and his family. Through a series of horrific yet miraculous events, Jacob and his sons are reunited with Joseph in Egypt, where Joseph had risen to political prominence. His family is welcomed into the land, and they are showered with all the food that they could eat and the best land to live in. God's people were fruitful and multiplied in Egypt, and the government did not like this at all. They felt threatened by the Israelites. They feared that God's people would rise up and overthrow the government. So they were forced into slavery, into hard labor to build the Egyptian infrastructure. Once the land of salvation, Egypt was now the land of bondage. And yet, by God's great mercy, Moses delivered the people from Egypt and brought them into a new land. While many events surround the deliverance from Egypt, the Passover came to signify God's mighty act of salvation. The feast of the Passover recounted the time when death came to all the firstborn in Egypt, but death passed over God's people when the blood of the lamb was painted on the doorposts of their houses. The sacrificial lamb used in this Passover feast became known simply as the Passover lamb, the Paschal lamb, or in shorthand, the Passover. In John's Gospel, which we read on Maundy Thursday, the feast of the Passover dominates the passage of time throughout the Gospel. In fact, we get three full Passovers in John's Gospel, which correspond with the three full years of Jesus' active ministry. To fully appreciate Passover as the marker of time, we must have the Exodus fresh in our minds, which is also why we've been recounting these events in our daily office readings as well. For the Israelites, the experience of time was marked by the feasts of God's redemption, and the Passover was the greatest of these feasts. For it is the premier feast of salvation in the redemptive history up until this night. For Christians, we do not merely live through winter, spring, summer, and fall, but we live from Advent through Pentecost. We live, move, and have our being in Christ. We are united in baptism to his death so that we may be made partakers of his resurrection. Many people wonder why traditional Christians make such a fuss about the liturgical calendar. 
always flipping pages, figuring out where we are. It is important because how we understand time shapes how we live our lives, and it shows what we think is important. Popular culture cannot understand how someone would sit or stand through a multi-hour Easter vigil, and yet the same culture encourages us to stand in line or sit on the high holy day called Black Friday. It has been said that if you want to know what somebody values, you look at their pocketbook or how they spend their money. We can also find out what we value and what we worship by how we spend our time. What are we willing to make time for? What are we willing to skip? And what are we willing to go out of our way to make happen? Spiritual formation begins here at how we view time. This is why tonight is different from all other nights. For tonight, Jesus commands us to mark time with his body and blood. While the feast of the Passover marks time in John's gospel, the understanding of Jesus as the Lamb of God shapes its theology. With these two ideas guiding us, we begin to understand just a little more clearly what Jesus is doing in the Last Supper. As Passover lambs were being prepared for slaughter all over Jerusalem, Jesus was preparing himself for his own slaughter by eating and drinking with those he loved. In the Passover meal, God remembered his covenant promises to Israel, and in the Last Supper, Jesus enacts a new covenant and a new commandment or mandate to love one another. In the Passover, the people of God remembered their deliverance from slavery in Egypt. In this new Eucharistic meal, the people of God remember their deliverance from the bondage of sin and into the freedom of Christ. In the Passover, the people of God recall the blood of the Lamb that was shed for their deliverance. In the new meal Jesus gives us, he invites us to continually partake of his body and his blood, therefore ever uniting ourselves to his sacrifice until the day that we shall eat it with him face to face. In the Old Covenant, God commanded his people to keep the feast of Passover throughout all generations. In the New Covenant, Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, commanded his people to partake of his supper until he comes again. Tonight, the institution of the Lord's Supper is intimately tied to the command to love, as displayed in the washing of the feet. The foot washing is significant because it shows Jesus Christ the king of kings taking the form of a servant. It was the slave's job to wash the feet of house guests. And Jesus, through this condensation, is showing us not only what love looks like, but he is showing us what God looks like. Tonight, as we come to the altar to receive the Lord's Supper, we should not only be reminded of the sacrifice but of the command to love as Christ loves. As Philippians says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.